It's, uh, we even had fun working it out during the week as well. So before we start this morning, we'll just have a word of prayer. Lord, we are just so grateful that we've got the Sabbath where we can come aside uh, to worship you. And this morning, as we open your word, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to be here. May our hearts be receptive, dear Lord, um, so that we may come to grow a bit closer to you is my prayer. Amen. Uh, so this morning, I want to talk about loyalty. Um, it's something you probably don't hear about a lot. Uh, it's not something in common conversation. So we know that the family dog is the absolute of loyalty to their master, the dog. Now, I've got a cat, and I'd like to say that my cat is loyal to me, uh, even though that most people would disagree. Uh, but people... Uh, Remember years ago, all you elderly people, between the Fords and Holdens, there was a very distinct line. There was an absolute loyalty for the Ford supporters and a real loyalty for the Holden supporters. I don't know how that works today between Kias and Hyundais. So, and football teams as well. Seeing that the past is not here, well, let's just talk about that for a minute. Uh, the Maroons, any Maroon supporters here? Good. Right, we go the Blues. So there is loyalty with the football, uh, loyalty to your employers, loyalty in family, I think that's there, loyalty in marriage, well maybe sometimes, uh, promise to be true in the good times and bad and sickness and health, I will love and honour thee all the days of my life until I get sick of it, oh no, that's not in it, um, well is it something that you pay for? Is loyalty something that you pay for or is it forced or do you have to earn it? It can be hard to define but you can easily recognise it. Loyalty is a virtue that we value in relationships, in our families, with our friends, in our workplaces. How about here in our church? and also for our country. So loyalty is faithfulness, it's dedication, it's honesty, it's trust. I'd like to say that it's constant too, and it's supportive as well. And it requires from each one of us an emotional commitment to make it happen. But I also feel that it gives us, each of us, a sense of identity as well in that relationship, whatever it is. So we could say then that loyalty then is about positive relationships and over a period of time we will show a level of loyalty in those relationships and to each other, not by so much by what we say but by the things that we do. So are there benefits? Are there benefits of loyalty? Well, absolutely. One... And I think that you'd all have these loyal, dependable friendships with people. And that's a good thing to have. Year in, year out, it's always the same. Good friends. And, and that brings with it a level of security as well. Uh, it, can be, it can be rewarding in different ways too. And I believe that there is a greater depth of love that can be experienced in those relationships. I also feel that it would give you the stability the trust and maturity in relationships with each other and also with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. So there's a lot of different aspects that we probably don't think about a lot, which is uh, all there dealing with loyalty. 
So if we're in a relationship, whatever that relationship is, loyalty can strengthen that relationship as well. And that's good to have that as well because people uh, become more honest. They become more forthcoming when they know the other person is loyal to them. The door opens up a bit, so it creates trust and closeness in those relationships. And I really feel that that's something that is missing in our modern-day world. So could we say then that for us as Christians that the true definition of loyalty then is God himself? Scripture tells us that even if we are unloyal, if we are faithless, God is faithful, God is loyal. The word of God continually says that God will never leave you nor forsake you and he will continue to work with you until the end. That's a good feeling, isn't it? To have that stability there. But have we come to the point where we have become too sophisticated in our modern world to be loyal to anyone? Look, we live in a very materialistic world. We are very blessed to live in this country in which we do. But have we become too sophisticated as to be loyal? Loyalty is not something people talk about much and even would seem to be unpopular in certain environments. The workplace is a good one for this. Look, it may be hard to be loyal sometimes. It could even be costly to you. But loyalty defines who we are and how well you're going to sleep at night. Unfortunately, it is losing its appeal today. People do not see it as necessarily as a good thing. Marriages break up because their spouses do not want to keep their commitment to stick, stick together for better or worse. And many people would just mouth loyalty. But it's really not a reality in their life. And what would be the most painful disloyalty that you could think about this morning? What about yourself? What about not being loyal to yourself or giving up on your dreams and the principles by how you live? Look, we see and hear lots of stories where there is no loyalty and the pain and hurt that comes when someone betrays. In God's word, in the New Testament, we have the moving account of Peter's failure to be loyal to Jesus in his final hours, right when he needed loyalty. At the supper in the upper room, Peter vowed to lay down his life for Jesus. Okay, well, he's making a statement. I'm with you. I'm loyal. I'm going to fight to the death. Jesus, however, knew better. And later that night, outside the temple court, Peter denied Jesus once once is enough. Oh, well, how about we go twice? No. Well, let's make a really good job of it and let's really make sure that we're really clear and deny him three times. Why did that happen? 
But when he had realised what he had done, he wept bitterly. Fortunately for Peter, the story has a happy ending. Okay, let's even go down to another lower level again. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up and the man who they called Judas, one of the twelve. So this guy was in the circle. Okay? He was attached. He had relationship. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? It didn't have a happy ending. So what then does it mean to be loyal to God? It's a virtue. It's considered morally good. It seeks to honour God. It values relationship with God. Loyalty to God is believing and relying on his word as we do. It's about doing his will. It's about worshipping him as our Lord and creator and our saviour. And it's doing what he commands. Loyalty to God may involve challenges for us. Sometimes there is opposition. Sometimes there is ridicule. Sometimes there is defiance. Sometimes there is temptation. Loyalty is to stay faithful because it is the right thing to do. It's the morally a good thing to do. It's a godly thing to do. And we see this in the lives of many characters in God's word. Job chose not to curse God despite his many unreasonable sufferings. Abraham chose not to question God when challenged to offer up his son. He remained devoted to God above everything else. Joseph, betrayed by his own family, by his own brothers, he suffered, was wrongly accused, he was imprisoned, but not a word of complaint. Daniel refused to bow to the king despite the threat of being eaten by lions. He stayed loyal to God. And this morning I want to share one story with you, the story of Ruth. I want you to open your Bibles to the uh, book of Ruth found in the Old Testament. And Ruth chapter 1 verses 1 to 15. And I'm going to read these first uh, 15 verses to you. In the days when the judges ruled Israel. So this is before the kings. A severe famine, we know what that's like here in this country, came upon the land. And so a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking with him his wife and his two sons. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife was Naomi, and their sons were, are you reading? Malon and Killian. That's how I read it. They were Ephronites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. So if you've ever looked at the map, Moab is east uh, of where these people lived. Okay? Uh, now, okay. Elimelech passes away. She's left with the two sons. The two sons married local women. They were Moabite women, so they weren't the same race of people. Okay, about ten years later, both Marlon and Killian died, left her alone without uh, her two sons or a husband. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them a good, uh, good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living 
and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah, west. On the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-laws, go back to your mother's homes and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible and I were to get married tonight and to bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And they wept together and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. You should do the same. Uh, pretty powerful story. So we know it's before the time of the kings. Here we have a family, a family of four, mum, dad, two sons. There's a famine and so they've got to move. If they don't move, they're probably going to starve to death. Uh, probably not too many government handouts at that time. Uh, the two sons later marry women of that land. The father dies and ten years later both the sons die. And we have no idea why that happened. So here we have the women are left here on their own. As a widow with no man in the family, Naomi had just lost all standing in society. That's apparently how it was. And being in a foreign land would certainly have lifted the stakes a lot higher. It would have been far more difficult. So obviously, if you hear the news that there's been a good harvest back at home, you would certainly decide to return back to your people. So her daughter-in-laws were local girls. She tells them to go back, to return to your mother's house. You will be better off. So you can sense her attempts at trying to convince them that she had nothing to offer them. She had nothing that can provide them any security, any future. She had nothing. And Naomi realised that. And after much arguing, one of them, Orpah, returned back to her country, Moab. The other stays. Now this is the verse I want to highlight to you. Verse 16. But Ruth replied, we all know it so well, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. How did that happen? Why did she stay? Naomi's got nothing. And it doesn't even seem clear. 
there's lots of tears. So it wasn't from a lack of love from Orpah. They had been faithful to Naomi's sons. They both knew that Naomi had nothing to offer them. What motivated Ruth to stay in the relationship? Ruth didn't go up to Naomi and say, look, uh, we'll just see how it goes for a few weeks and then I'll make up my mind. She didn't indicate that, not at all. We can see here that Ruth had already made a commitment before she went down that road. And I believe it's got something to do with Naomi's God. She said, your God will be my God. May the Lord deal with me, be ever so severely, if anything but death death separates you and me. She's saying, God forbids that I do such a thing. God punish me if I do otherwise. She felt led by the Lord to do this good thing, the right thing, a godly thing. It has nothing to do with what she can get out of it. It has to do with what she wants to give to it. So we can see here, loyalty seeks to honour God. Loyalty is driven by a desire to honour God. So we can see here that Ruth had already gotten to know Israel's God through Naomi. And she had grown in relationship with God. She had grown to trust God. And she was ready to let go of what she had been brought up with, with the false gods of Moab. And we know that during these times of earth's history that quite often the gods of these heathen nations were brutal. And their god, which I call Chemosh, was known as the destroyer, the subduer. And it even goes into more degrading practices where there was human sacrifices given to these gods as well. Very different to the worship of the God of Israel. So for her, for Ruth, it wasn't about choosing the easiest path or taking the least painful option or avoiding at all costs the most difficult. It was about following God's leading. Loyalty is our willingness to stay devoted to God's leading. Ruth was obeying God's call for her life. She wasn't just sticking with Naomi. She was sticking with Naomi's God. And the rest of her story in this book tells us that she made the right choice. God did provide for them, and particularly for Ruth herself, in amazing ways. She found her man. What was his name? Boaz, a relative of her late father-in-law. She had a son who became the grandfather of King David, the line of Jesus. An incredible story. Ruth and her family brought a blessing to this world. And her story has been recorded in God's word so that we can read the story, we can ponder on the story, that we can, we can see that through the difficult times the power of God works in amazing ways to change people's lives and reaches out to all people. And Ruth's loyalty values relationships and honours God. Common sense would tell you to return home 
Her options were better at home than living as a foreigner in Israel with Naomi. She wasn't looking to her own interests, but to the interests of others. If she had cared for herself, for her own interests, her chances of getting remarried were better at home or settling down, being financially stable, of having a better future, would have been to return home. But her desire was to be with Naomi, the one who would give her nothing, no future, no security. Why? Because she wanted to preserve something that was valuable, and that was relationship. She wanted to share the future together, not separately. What about today? Many today give up on relationships too easily. There are a lot of other things appealing out there. Uh, I can do better to make more money. I can have more fun without you. I can have freedom. I can choose my own career. I've got other goals. Is it easy to give up on commitment? It is. So how important is relationship to you? Ruth valued the relationship above all else. She chose to bless rather than to be blessed. And like Jesus, who came to serve and not to be served. See the difference? God has created us as social beings. There's not a lot of people out there that like being on their own all the time. They are there. I had one the other day where I had to go and visit and there are people who can live completely on their own with no contact and they prefer it that way. But there's not a lot of people. People have family, they have friends, they have connections and that's important. We cannot be truly human without those relationships. Uh, relationships with others is basic to what it means to be in the image of God. And without loyalty, those relationships cannot survive. And the Bible has a lot to say about loyalty in relationships. It's actually part of the Ten Commandments. Honour your father and mother. What's that saying? Loyalty. So that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So healthy family loyalties are the bond which holds not just the family together but also society. And as we see families pulling themselves apart, we see society pulling itself apart. Do not allow anything to become more important than the people in your lives. And the New Testament goes even further when it teaches us that loyalty shared between a husband and wife is so sacred that it may be seen as a model of the relationship between Jesus and the church. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 tells us, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. We would say then that this is a human reflection of divine loyalty which has reached out to us as sinful, rebellious people and embraced us as his children. This picture of divine loyalty Jesus illustrated when he told the story of the man who was, who was travelling from Jerusalem to Jericho 
when he fell among the thieves. When the Samaritan showed what the Samaritan showed to that wounded Jew as he laid beaten and half dead on the side of the road was loyalty. There was seriously no love lost between the Jews and the Samaritans. It was a loyalty that reached above the distinctions of race and class, which cut through the barriers of, of prejudice. It's a human reflection of divine loyalty. That's what we can see out of this story that Jesus gave us. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Loyalty. Such is the loyalty that God has for you and for me. And like Jesus' parable, he's calling us to go and do the same. Loyalty takes sacrifice, but loyalty rewards. Loyalty values relationships. Loyalty seeks to preserve the relationship. And I would say this morning that loyalty is God's trademark. God values his relationship with you because he is faithful. He is faithful even when you're not. God makes a pledge and he keeps it. He makes an agreement. He makes a covenant and he sticks with it. God doesn't change. God doesn't go back on his word. And we are so fortunate that we have the opportunity to come to know him through his word. If we are called to be like him, then loyalty's got to be part of our lives. God honours loyalty, and we see that in Ruth's life. God is at work even in the worst of times in your life. God sees into the future. He sees the end from the beginning. We should choose to stay faithful to God and his calling for your life. No matter how difficult your journey is, the God who saw Ruth through will also see you through. Same as the story of Daniel. We see it in the lives of Job, Abraham, Joseph and Daniel and others. They were loyal to God. And being loyal is, is being a follower of Jesus Christ. Let us show Christ's character in our relationships, in our ministries here in this church, wherever we are. Stay faithful to God's calling in your life. Stay faithful in doing that which is good, which is right and which is godly. And stick with your, th with your friends through the good times and bad times. Maintain their confidence. Keep your promises. Be honest with them. Act in their best interests. Address problems within the relationships that you might have. And treat each other fairly. Loyalty is a characteristic that can be developed. But the question is, are we willing? 
Loyalty will become a virtue when we value relationships with each other and our relationship with God. It encourages trust and understanding, which helps us to grow the relationship. It provides assurance that there is someone, someone there, someone that you can rely on, someone that you can trust. It, it can help you to feel supported. It can help you to feel more capable of tackling the obstacles that are going to come up in your lives. It allows all of us to develop stronger emotional connections with those that we have relationships and also with our Lord and Saviour as well. And I believe that as we develop those relationships, especially with God, is that there will be a source of confidence and security, knowing that whatever's going to happen, that you can trust and that you can remain loyal. So being loyal leads to feelings of happiness, contentment, honesty, better communication. There will be a greater depth of love and stability, not only in your home, not only in the church, but in your relationships with each other, but in your relationship with Jesus as well. And as Christians this morning, I would like to encourage you to be loyal to Jesus no matter what the cost, as we've heard in that story there this morning. Remember that God has commanded us to love the Lord your God with half your heart, with half your soul and with half your mind. Is that the deal? No, not at all. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and love your neighbour as yourself. In closing, Proverbs tells us, Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them round your neck as a reminder. Write them deep into your heart. This morning as you reflect on your own loyalty, whether it's at home, whether it's here at church, and most of all with your Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, I ask you to reconsider what is really important in your lives this morning. Remember that loyalty means nothing unless in our hearts is the principle of self-sacrifice and love for one another. And I pray this morning that you will enjoy the benefits and that you will be blessed and that you will be a blessing uh, to others as well, uh, is my prayer this morning. Amen.